0: Hello, travellers, and welcome to podcast 183 in our series You Should Have Been There with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And today
1: we're going to consider your answers to a simple but revealing question When does a holiday start for you? Is it when you decide on the destination? When you've paid up and committed to it? Or maybe at the moment you leave home? Or is it when you arrive at the departure airport, station, or port? Or when you down your first glass of beer or wine.
0: Or perhaps a cup of tea or coffee. Or in the case of Cathy Adams of Times Travel, from our extensive back catalogue, something a little stronger in Poland. Yes, I'd like to take us back briefly three years to recall a romantic meeting in an unlikely setting. The reason, of course, is that last week included Valentine's Day and what better place for romantic encounters than Krakow in Poland.
2: So the story of how me and my husband David met, um, it was in April 2008 um, and we met in Krakow in Poland. So he'd he'd flown out for a weekend away with a friend of his and I was on my final stop of a three-week backpacking tour around Eastern Europe on my own. So yeah, I was more than glad for some company. Um, We were staying in the same hostel room, it was a dorm room for eight people um, and I was sort of unpacking my staff, I remember, When he walked in and was like, oh, hey, you know, you're you're from the UK. Do you fancy going to grab a drink down at the bar? Like, that's the one thing that we have in common. So we ended up having a drink downstairs with another friend of his that's become a a really good friend since. Um, Yeah, and this really sort of dark, subterranean brick bar, um, drinking the Polish vodka, Zabrowka, until the early hours. Um, Then the next day we were like, you know what, should we just stay in touch? Stayed in touch. When I was back in London, he was back in London... And yeah, that's what, 13 years later, we're still here. We're married. um, We've got a 10 month old son, Samuel. Um, Yeah, and Poland will always have a very, very fond place in both our hearts. We've actually never managed to make it back to Krakow, which is quite embarrassing. We have been to Warsaw together, but never Krakow, but we are desperate to go back. I think the moment, and now we have Samuel as well, the moment that lockdown um, restrictions allow us to, that'll be the first place on our list.
1: And Kathy's story can be heard along with several others um, on podcast 55. It didn't surprise me, by the way, that um, as um, two uh, residents of the UK were involved in this meeting, that uh, also strong drink um, was taken.
0: Well, yes, but it did lead to everlasting love, and a a young child. So all's oh, well that nice. ends well, wherever whether it starts below or above ground in Krakow. And if you're just an ordinary tourist rather than looking for love, I strongly suggest that you stay well above ground
1: level. Yes, is it still a very popular destination?
0: It's more popular than ever, and indeed the big news this month has been that Krakow, along with Reykjavik, have displaced Amsterdam and barcelona in the top four tourist destinations and um, the wow. traditional ones of paris and rome are still there but according to advantage travel center we've talked of course in the past to julia Lobue Said, the chief executive and um, she says that yep crack off Reykjavik are there. Krakow of course um, having everything you could want from a uh, short break um, with in particular low prices including for subterranean Polish vodka.
1: (laughs) Well let's get on to today's main theme. When does your holiday really start? Anyone who listened to our last podcast number 182 might recall that I touched on this topic when I reported on my trip to La Gomera in the Canary Islands. smooth cab ride one hour door-to-door south London to Gatwick North and now the first really big holiday ritual which is a flat white and a croissant pre-plane departure mm, very nice
0: I've been thinking about this quite intently, and I want to know why that particular moment, given all the others which I could list for you, such as when your boat finally ties up in La Gomera, and um, why the Gatwick Croissant? Well, the
1: Croissant, I think, has a a symbolic value for me, because when I first went abroad uh, across the Channel... By ferry, there certainly wasn't a tunnel when I first when I first uh, started going abroad. Um, the most impossibly exotic thing uh, that happened, particularly if one went overnight, was a French breakfast, and the French breakfast was a grand creme, a big. Cup of exceptionally tasty coffee, um a hundred times better than anything you could get over here at the time. And it was accompanied by an astonishingly flaky, crispy, greasy, fan beautiful thing called a croissant. And um I have since um been warned off these things by the GP as, Um they, they <laughs> if 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 you ever have a cholesterol test and they give you a handout, it uh, it always says do um, avoid the following things, and right up at the top is is pâtisserie and uh, and croissants. Yeah, so that's why the croissant, and why that particular moment in the journey. Well, as with true love, which we have been uh, um, alluding to, journeys never run smooth. Um, the path to your destination is lined with obstacles and potential pitfalls. Waking up in time getting to the station port or airport. Uh, Will the alarm work? Have I packed everything? Um, Have I got the converter plugs? That's the thing I always forget. Will the cab turn up? Then there's the struggle with bag drops, the hassle of getting through security, the irritation of the duty-free obstacle course, and finally the moment when you can sit down and relax. Anyway, uh, unless of course you're late, which (laughs) you always are, but uh, when's your, um, when's the moment when you're so your travels really kick off, really start. I'm
0: absolutely fascinated by this, Mick. And I'm going to go back to the Gatwick Croissant because um, this actually takes me back two years to um, the start of 2022 when it had been illegal for weeks to go to France because of, I think it was the Omicron variant, if you remember that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I needed yes, to I be shouldn't
1: laugh, but yes. into
0: Paris as soon as I could when they reopened. So I had this incredibly difficult journey which emulated my very first trip like yours abroad which was actually this one New Haven to Dieppe but nothing opened when I got to Dieppe um, you couldn't eat on the train going via Rouen to Paris and finally I got to Paris and then only then could I think right I'm here so I had my coffee I had my croissant and that was me being there and honestly any earlier than actually walking out of arrivals at your destination whether that's a port the railway station or the airport i think is too soon you see because you're sitting there um and you don't know if air traffic controllers are going to go <laughs> sick or their computer is going to stop working or what what's going to happen so uh, i i would always wait till i'm on the ground but when we um asked listeners for the point at which they uh are Properly on holiday, I was absolutely shocked at the breadth of the responses. Apart from anything else, I thought the earliest point in the whole holiday cycle that people could possibly contemplate was, well, the one you mentioned, when you decide on your destination. But Blackpool69 says, as soon as the last one has finished.
1: Ah, there speaks a true traveller. But you know, that moment when you decide on the destination was the key point for many listeners, Rachel Parks Brown said. A holiday starts when you book it, because it is something to look forward to. And Jane Bernstone agrees. The anticipation, the build up, is as important as the holiday itself. While Frank Kelly observes poignantly, sometimes the planning is more enjoyable
0: than the trip. I'm with Frank all the way there. I've had a couple of really awful trips which have cost a fortune, but which I have derived value from in the anticipation. So the anticipation is really valuable. And a lot of people, for instance, somebody who um, uh, calls themselves driving with dogs, calibrates <laughs> the start of the holiday to when the destination is decided and I have a pile of background books to read by my bed. Tim Coxon moves it on to As soon as I've booked. I love researching the destination, where to go and what to see. Anticipation is a big part of it to me and it gives me something to work towards. And talking of work, a couple of respondents, Luke Cox and Jane Dixon, say the precise moment their holiday begins is when they finish work, the day before the trip. Yes, I, I can
1: see why they say that. Um, I do remember that Um, the... Day before the trip, I, and I think loads of other people, were always astonished at how much they actually got done. Sort of approximately a week's work in in one day, Um, just because they knew that they were going on holiday. Um, But uh, for many of you, it's the moment you leave home. David Robertson says, The moment you lock the door and leave for the car, train, tube, etc. to start the journey. Michael Fawcett adds, For me, it's the moment I leave home. I'll have done lots of prep before then, but it's not until I cross the doorstep that I properly commit to it, and Carol McCall is very precise. After setting the burglar alarm and locking the door, whoopee! (laughs) (laughs) But in case you're wondering, Carol doesn't supply the code for the alarm.
0: Uh, I'm not a car owner, but some of those who are clearly have the moment they drive off as a significant point. Um, Not a name, just a number, says, once we've loaded the car and left, that's holiday time. And Anne Rosenthal can't wait for the moment when we've got everything loaded in the car and set off from home, usually heading to the airport. Calvin Andrew, on the other hand, says, the moment we set off from the house in the car, but, he adds... The journey is always eventful. Currently sat at the Wistrom ferry terminal in the middle of a multi agency security drill. Very exciting. Well, not if you've just um, popped off the uh, Portsmouth to Caen ferry, which ends, I believe, in Wistrom, and you're keen to head south.
1: Well, other forms of transport are available. Mark Johnson evidently sticks to what he knows and loves. For him, the holiday begins when I leave home and catch the Isle of Wight Ferry to Southampton to board our cruise ship. Hmm. Gazza Wright always seeks an early flight and goes to the airport the day before to stay in a hotel. He says, so for me, the minute I get on the train, with a helpful emoji of six champagne glasses. Not sure that's what you can expect on the Thameslink train to Gatwick or Luton Airport though.
0: Or indeed on Northern or Transpanion Express to Manchester or, let's not forget, Liverpool John Lennon Airport. Most listeners, has to be said, reflecting the habits of the UK population in general, fly away rather than going by sea or rail. And the departure airport is a critical point defining the start of that holiday. Tony knows the holiday has begun once the cases are checked in and we're having breakfast. But clearing security is evidently a trigger for many people. Laura T starts her holiday when I get through the hell of security at Manchester Airport. And Hugh writes when I have my bag checked in and cleared security. Philip Collins adds, get to the airport, especially if it's Gatwick, get through security, check flight is on time and then the holiday starts.
1: Ah, Those are travellers after my own heart. Well, we talked in podcast 174 about the joys of airport lounges, and many of you clearly relish the opportunity to upgrade your experience while waiting for a flight. Nick E-S says his holiday begins immediately after clearing security at the airport, and then properly reinforced with a glass in the lounge. He might well meet Liz Morris and Christine Marquis there. Liz says after I've been through security and have an alcoholic drink in my hand, whatever time of day it is, while Christine is on holiday the moment I
0: check into the lounge and relax. Now, that is very interesting because I've actually, um, in my day job at the Independent, been dealing with a chap who was uh, confessing that his daughter... Missed a flight from New York, from London to New York entirely because she was doing exactly what Christine Marquis was doing there, um, relaxing in (laughs) the lounge while they were calling the flight. She got to the gate and they said, sorry, you're too late. She said, but my bag's on board. And they said, well, tough luck. You'll see if you get to New York on a later flight. And so it proved and um, slightly to divert. A lot of people think that you cannot a flight can't take off if it's got luggage on it that doesn't have a passenger with it that is no longer the case so don't dawdle in the lounge or indeed duty-free um, um if you are hoping uh if you're just thinking oh my bag's on board they can't go without me they definitely can i was really surprised mick to see that no one said I'm on holiday the moment the plane takes off, because that is actually really, uh, re- really significant, I think. Um, certainly my v- early flying career, which um, <laughs> which involved almost no flying at all, that moment where you'd accelerate down the runway and you take off, you would just think, yes, I am now. Uh, I've left my entire normal life behind. I'm going into something um, exciting. Similarly, and I love, you know, I would never... Given the choice, take Eurotunnel, I'd always much rather be on the ferry. I'd like to see the White Coast of Dover retreating. Um, I like the time, you know, the moment the train goes from St Pancras International. Um, Can I
1: suggest, um, can I just interrupt here? Because I suggest that um, for many people, the moment the plane takes off, while obviously it symbolises the beginning of something new, it is also mildly terrifying.
0: Okay, well, I wouldn't find it terrifying because I just look at the numbers and I feel safe. Um, And the fact is that no uh, UK or Irish passenger jet has had a fatal accident since the 1980s. So that makes me feel very comfortable indeed. Touch wood. (laughs) Um, Well, yes, thank you. You have a a great new career in sound effects at the BBC, I think. (laughs) Meanwhile, Stuart Morton and Zach T. Both chorus, they are on holiday when the plane touches down. I'm assuming that they mean in the right place as opposed to being diverted or indeed in the case of one one flight I had returning to Stansted. And Moak is out of his seat and stepping off the plane before his holiday begins. Only Gwyneth Grieve marked the moment that I get excited about being in a new destination as I say when leaving the Airport where I've arrived, or the station, or the port where my ferry has turned up.
1: Well, there's also when you finally arrive at your holiday accommodation. That is the moment for early bird. When I walk through the door of the room, apartment, villa, everything leading up to that is a P I T A, which is a pain in the arrière, I think. If, uh,
0: yes, or indeed if we're hiking through the Pyrenees, a pain in the arrière.
1: <laughs> Touche. Norfolk Gurley also starts her holiday when I arrive at final destination and am in room with my luggage, while Alison needs to check her room out first, though she points out that for her husband, it's at the airport. Ryan McBobangs, When you get to your destination and it's not a complete hole and no luggage is missing, and... (laughs) Laura Uh, T again. (laughs) The cherry on the top is an Aperol spritz as soon as I get on my balcony and I can
0: see my kids
1: in the pool.
0: Interesting that the holiday starts on arrival at the destination accommodation is the one category in which we've had a couple of um, mild expletives. I don't know what we make of that. Anyway, I was interested in the philosophical approach to the subject taken by filmmaker Ben Garfield, who you recorded, Mick, at what sounded like a party.
1: Yes, it was a one-year-old's birthday party in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Stardom young, I say. On Aperol Spritz.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Ben, when does a holiday begin for you? So, I, I think it's very much about where I'm at, where a holiday begins, well, and, and the holiday itself, I suppose. Because sometimes I find that when I'm even on the holiday, it takes me a bit of time to drop the baggage that I'm carrying <laughs> from life. And so there might be a point where things finally feel like, OK, I've landed. But then also other times I can remember just, you know, the holi- I'm in the holiday vibe quite early on. And whatever's actually going on, I like it could be a few days before I've left and uh, and i'm feeling i'm feeling I'm feeling like you know my body is here, but in spirit I'm already I'm,
1: you're already there Yeah. Ah can you think of an example of one of those?
3: Um, think of an example I think maybe it's not quite a holiday, but I can remember like a Glasgow trip not long ago where it was like, you know. I was in that headspace and it was just counting down the days until I would actually be there um, uh, but yeah in spirit I think I'd already I was already in the, in the fields yeah um, yeah and uh, and the other way around I don't know I mean do you ever find that sometimes it takes just a bit of time you get you get somewhere and it's like a, th- a few days in maybe it could even be a sunny destination maybe a trip to I don't know I think of a trip to Greece I took not long ago with, with family and, uh, yeah, kind of first, first couple of days, it's like, okay, getting used to the place and, and I've got stuff on my mind. And then a couple of mornings later of waking up in that sunshine, then it's starting to feel like, all oh, right, okay, I, uh, I, I, can, I can get into this, the, the swing of things here.
1: You don't sort of feel that, um, as I do, that as soon as I've um, got to an airport and... Um, Got through security and then managed to sit down for a moment to have a coffee, and in my case, a croissant. You don't sort of you don't get that sort of uh, feeling about this is where my holidays start. So
3: I, I know what you. I do relate to that. I do know what you mean um, when the pressure's off and you've actually got through yeah. the security and you've given yourself enough time to actually have a sit down and get a bite to eat and have a have that warm beverage. Um, yeah, that's, I've been there as well. So I, I guess, where the holiday, there, there isn't, there isn't, it's just about, yeah, what's going on, it's context, of what's going on in my life, I
0: suppose. That makes me think that actually there is a case for, in an airport, along with duty-free, along with the restaurants, and indeed the lounges, there is space for some kind of philosophical assistance or indeed psychotherapy to help you get rid of all that excess emotional baggage so that you can begin your holiday good and proper as soon as you arrive at your destination.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it is true, isn't it? You obviously take your baggage with you as well as your luggage
0: yes and you could even have something which is a philosophical equivalent to those the, the, those frames that you get which measure your cabin baggage so there has to be a metre for how much emotional stuff you are taking with you well thank you very much Ben Garfield for those very important thoughts and of course we welcome your thoughts at you should have BT if you are writing to us on X formerly Twitter or you can leave us at an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and look before we go for those who are regretting that they didn't really push their boat out this valentine's day or in intending to make amends next year here's another excerpt from that romantic podcast number 55 which i very much enjoyed hearing at the time and that was mick's guide to heart-shaped islands Galishnyak.
1: Uh, which uh, is uh, in Croatia. It's off yeah. the Adriatic coast, obviously, about 25 kilometers south of Zadar, uh, which is a very lovely sort of mini Dubrovnik. If if uh, you haven't been there, um, yeah. and uh, there is a really perfect heart-shaped island there, Galizhnyak. Uh I reckon it's about uh, a kilometer off the coast and i reckon you could quite happily swim to it uh, if you no. wanted to. Uh th- this is just Yeah. Yeah, that's right, but that's my idea. You can go to it although there aren't any ferries and it is actually um privately owned. Uh, and it was only discovered uh, a few years ago when Google Uh, earth uh, got going and it was mapped and people realised that seen from above it was a perfect heart shape. Uh, Unfortunately this made it really quite popular and the owner of it um, pretty well stripped it bare of trees and vegetation <laughs> uh, and he's apparently in the process of uh, building a, a chapel so that people can go and uh, and get married there um, and presumably pay him um, royally for the privilege but uh, anyway he also oh. claims that he's going to be planting olive trees uh, and making it look uh, lovely again
0: uh, uh, in terms of heart-shaped natural features I would suggest if you want to avoid crowds and Desecration. Then the place to go is um, uh, Montagnon in France, which you and I have actually been to. And uh, interestingly, before the recording, um, I was um, very enthusiastic about uh, how lovely it was to be with you as we looked down on this um, uh, lovely heart-shaped lake uh, high in the Pyrenees. In fact, in the Pyrenees National Park of France, and you can't remember a blind thing about it, which um, uh, which saddened me, Mick.
1: I'm so sorry. Uh, Yeah, it passed me by. Or maybe I passed it by. Well, my second heart-shaped island is actually Heart Reef which is an atoll, and it really looks absolutely spectacular um, from above, which is, unfortunately, the only way you can see it because you're not actually allowed to uh, snorkel there or swim in the water, which is, of course, in the middle of the uh, of the coral. So the coral forms a perfect heart shape, and then in the middle there's all this amazing uh, light blue water, presumably filled with fish and uh colourful sea creatures, Uh, and uh, to get there, you need to go to Brisbane, uh, Australia, and then you have to make your way to Hamilton Island, which is 800 kilometres north. And then uh, you have to book yourself onto a helicopter uh, for the little matter of 1100 Australian dollars, for which you get a a three-hour experience, which involves flying over Hart Reef and then landing near it uh, on something which I think they call Hart Island, which actually... Isn't uh, a an island at all. It's a kind of pontoon, but you (laughs) land on it, and then you can snorkel around that because, uh, for ecological reasons, you are not allowed to um, trespass on the reef itself. Um, And then, anyway, my third one, my third Mm -hmm. one is uh, Isla Corazon, uh, Heart Island, in Spanish, of course, which is uh, in the middle of a beautiful lake called Mascardi Lake uh, in Argentina. It's an hour south of Bariloche in the Lake District. uh, And what is good about it is you can actually see the heart-shaped island very clearly from a mirador, a viewpoint uh, on the on the road, or you can kayak to it and around it. And I'm really annoyed that I didn't know about this when uh, uh, I went there with my partner a couple of years ago. I, I was actually in that area, and uh, I was completely unaware of uh, Isla Corazon. Next time, though,
0: Mick, always good to hear you wearing your heart-shaped islands on your sleeve. Next week, we thought we wanted to find out about true travel, what it means for you. How has travel enriched you? Please do get in touch at you should have BT on X or Twitter, or leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. For now, though, from me, Simon Calder.
1: And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye.